Hi everyone, welcome to episode 11 of Built Broadcast Podcast. Um, today's episode is called, Are We Doing Enough to Tackle the Climate Crisis in the Curriculum? Um, this is actually a topic I don't really know much about, so it'll be a massive learning curve for me today. Um, but first I think we'll just start with some introductions. Great. Um, hi, I'm Alex Dietzel, and I'm a lecturer here at the university. I work in space, which sounds like outer space, but it's actually politics and sociology. Uh, and I live in the politics side. And my specialism is climate justice and thinking about climate change policy. So I've recently, for example, written a book where I analyze the um, political response to climate change at the global level, both state and non-state. So like the Paris Agreement, but also cities fighting climate change. And I tried to evaluate how just that response is. So how fair is it? Does it protect human rights, etc.? Nice. Cool. Hi, my name is Ashling Tierney and I'm based in education services. And within that role, I do a lot of work on curriculum development across lots of different themes, including sustainable development. And I've done things like mapping the curriculum and supporting new curriculum development across faculties. And in my own research, I do uh, teaching in archaeology, in sustainable development goals, embedding that within heritage practices. And in my research projects, um, I do a lot of ecotourism and sustainable development with heritage. Hi, I'm Rich Bancost. I'm uh, the head of School of Earth Sciences. My own research and my own teaching, I study the Earth system, so how the Earth operates as a system, you know, so everything from climate change, but also biodiversity, ecology, and the chemistry of, of the Earth, and how it's changed, well, how it's changed through about the past 500 million years and how it might change in the future. Prior to becoming head of school, I was also the director of the Cabot Institute, and the Cabot Institute for the Environment, which includes... Uh, Ash and Alex and myself and loads of others is all about bringing people together from lots and lots of different disciplines to tackle these environmental challenges in an interdisciplinary way. Okay, amazing. So a good bunch of people to talk about this topic, <laughs> really. Um, okay, so I think it'll be helpful for everyone listening just to kind of get an idea of where we are at the moment with climate change in the curriculum. Um, so Ash, can you talk to us a little bit about that? Yeah, so a couple of years ago, I went about looking uh, through all of the different units of the universities, um, many thousands of units, and seeing what they contained in terms of sustainable development, including political, economic and sociocultural. And on the environmental side, we do see a lot of um, evidence within our curricula across all six faculties of sustainable development that relates to environmental change, climate change, the climate crisis. And we see that in uh, chemistry, for example, where they look at atmosphere, seas and oceans and the geosphere. If we look at computer science, they look at things like the sustainability agenda um, in what big companies like YouTube are doing and how those uh, generated materials require the use of lots of different machines and those machines are carbon uh, producing. In classics and English and other subjects, we see lots of topics like eco-criticism, where they're really taking um, a view of reviewing literature and seeing how um, culture and literature manifest issues of climate change to wider audiences um, and across to law um, where they're taking policy initiatives and law initiatives and putting them into meaningful change within our law systems both domestically and globally. Okay so how does that work tie in with what the Cabot Institute is doing? Oh well the Cabot Institute is you know when we were founded we were initially focused upon research and Increasingly, we realized that you couldn't really have a disconnection between the research uh, and, and our teaching and our curriculum. Yeah, yeah. There's only so much capacity in the team to support all those curriculum changes, which is why we have things like Built and Bristol Futures and all of those initiatives. But we've always supported them, uh, sort of working our way down, advising um, and encouraging, especially the, the 
again, the connection between different programs and ways of thinking. And, and, and that's really, it's interesting and challenging because, you know, the survey that, that you did, Ash, is sort of, on one hand, it, 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 it misses a lot. And, and on the other hand, it almost overestimates a lot. You know, for example, because climate change affects everything in our life, you know, you, one might argue that almost everything in the health sciences is some way related to climate change. In the earth sciences, we don't necessarily badge a course on economic resources as climate change, yet a post-fossil fuel world, it needs copper yeah. and cobalt. Mm-hmm. So, so on one hand, it's everywhere, but quite often we don't flag it and, and really bring it out and, and make those connections overt. So, yeah. so there's a lot, but there should be more. Okay, so I mean, why don't we make them more covert? Because I feel like, you know, obviously you guys are all, this is embedded in mm. your work, but for a lot of people, this isn't an everyday, you know, well, hopefully people do think about it every day, but, you know, I think people would need it to be pointed out. Well, from what I've heard from my students, so I teach climate change in a particular context. I have a class on, that's called Global Justice, and we talk about issues of justice, like refugees and health and, you know, poverty, all these things, and climate change is, is one of the weeks. Okay. And from what I hear from my students, they've learned about climate change, you know, in the past, for example, through taking GCSEs, most, most kids have gone through that in the UK and have had some sort of, you know, uh, knowledge on climate change, but they tell me and like straight face that they just didn't really care about climate change until it was contextualized as an issue of justice. Mm. So I think for a lot of people thinking about climate change is this like abstract natural phenomenon um, and they don't realize how interesting it is as a social issue, as a justice issue, um, as a kind of systems issue, if you're thinking about political systems, economic systems, until they come to university. So I think that's a really interesting role that universities can play to kind of take what they know about the basic science and, and contextualize it in the field that they're researching to make it much more kind of real to them yeah but it is quite jarring to hear them say i just didn't care um, <laughs> really <right. surprises> me. <laughs> um, and i do think that is starting to shift because yeah. in in mainstream media now we are talking about climate change more and more as a social yeah. issue right and a justice issue but yeah i've heard that many times from students i've never thought about that or i've never um never cared and i think the most like interesting case was when we had our cabot annual lecture last year about the Paris Agreement. And one of the um, people in the audience was the child of an IPCC scientist. And he had said he'd never thought about climate change as a justice mm. issue, <laughs> even though he lives with an IPCC mm. scholar, which is so interesting. <laughs> so weird. Yeah, yeah. so interesting, because I won't name names, but yeah. it was like very interesting to, to right. hear that. So that's my point of view, that universities can open up the, these spaces. Yeah. Who knows? It might all change when the climate strike generation arrives through our yeah. doors. Yeah. Well, we're seeing general trends emerging from things like mm. the national um, NUS surveys of students where they're caring more and more year on year about sustainability issues, including climate change. So that demand, that momentum is growing within our current student population. So I think that we will see that manifest mm-hmm. more and more. Absolutely. I mean, as to why we don't, you know have it in the curriculum i think as much as we could is you know we could dissect it in all sorts of ways but of course the the starting point for any course you teach is probably the course you took when you were a student yourself Mm. and sort of there is a bit of conservatism and legacy and then a lot of the pressures that encourage us well how do we modernize our teaching how does it evolve well there are pressures about focusing on the skills and the careers and those things and those are very very important but but maybe we're not spending enough time being more reflective about how all of the things we teach connect to the big, big, grand challenges of the day. 
Mm. Yeah. And that's kind of, well, and some could argue that's really what university is for. One, one might argue that's really <laughs> what university is for. <laughs> what was really rewarding in the last year or so was the development of these new Bristol Futures optional mm. units. And we developed four of them and three of the four brand new units have really strong, meaningful connections with sustainability and specifically climate crisis okay. embedded within them. And we're talking weeks of work on these mm. topics, not just a single lecture you know, um, you might miss it. This is something that is fundamental to the assessments and to the content. And we had Alex um, c contribute to the sustainable development one. We uh, utilize our networks. Uh, lots of academics from the Cabot Institute mm. uh, contributed, as did external partners and international organizations. We did work with um, a big national conference in Croatia that was held there on the SDGs, um, Sustainable Development Goals. And we took that really broad, big issues, contextualizing things for the students and also looking at the complexity. It's not straightforward. It's not just here's a fact, now you know it. It's really thinking about how you can take that learning and bring it back out into your um, into your discipline. So the students doing these optional units are from across the university. Yeah. They're from mm. all different subject backgrounds. Undergraduate and, and postgraduate? Undergraduate mm -hmm. students only. So for okay. these particular units, they're only undergraduate, but Rich mm. can talk about the masters well there's lots of masters um and they're more delivered within within schools and such but there's lots of masters programs that also focus upon sustainability and environmental issues um um all, all over the place and sometimes it's a little or sometimes it, it's it's disguised so there's um uh masters programs in in say uh the vet school and such but again those will touch upon food security and their yeah. by extension climate change so just like our undergraduate curriculum many of our masters programs will be touching on climate change in in all sorts of tangential ways um, <laughs> I, I was going to say, you know, looking at the Bristol Futures unit on sustainable development and how it's broken down because we have it in front of us. I really like how it goes through the complexity of mm. the, the problem. Mm -hmm. So it might be worth just reading out the headings so people can understand sure. how it's being taught. So it starts with science and understanding and then it goes into kind of behavior and organizational change before talking about economy, policy, and law, and then equality and justice, and finally technology and innovation. So you can see here like a really multidisciplinary approach mm. um, to understanding the complexity of sustainable development and climate change, which I think is great because if you're taking this unit, um, you might be from one of those areas, or you may have encountered one of those things before, maybe two, but to see it all come together is probably incredibly interesting for the students yeah. and also helps to kind of shape their understanding about the complexity and the um, kind of challenges we face in actually responding to climate change as a society. So I think it's you've done really well yeah. there to, to set it up in this way. Um, and it's it's exciting to see that unit open to anyone who wants to take it. Um, and as far as I understand, maybe you should correct me, um, from like the next few years moving forward, if you do want to take an open unit, let's say as a first year, you'll be able to take those Bristol Futures units. Yeah, as long as it works with your timetable. So some of the timetables are slightly more mm. restricted than mm -hmm. others. But in principle, any student can take any one of these optional units. And the opening units has been redesigned to add that flexibility. And we've added capacity so we can do big numbers. And they're all blended learning as well. So it's 
we're not doing lectures so much we're replacing those with online content mm -hmm. and we're focusing that time with students in classroom interacting interacting with each other as well as our um hourly paid teachers who come from all six faculties we're really <laughs> lucky it's really where the teaching is really diverse so on this unit we have someone uh, from geological sciences from engineering and from chemistry as the unit directors and then our hpts come from across all faculties and so our students are then seeing that the teachers themselves are quite diverse. We're a diverse cohort. And I did a lot of evaluation because I'm super nerdy about this stuff. <laughs> and I burrowed down. And the students, yes, they're super happy. They love the units, um, which, is, which is great. But also they say that they're quite transformative. They have a different feeling about these units. A lot of the time, the students who were taking them in their second term had had, um, you know, had already had one term at least in their first year, so they knew what their degree was about. They knew what what to expect, and then they come into this new unit in their second term, and they're like, "Wow, what is this?" Yeah. And they literally have said, "This has changed my perspective on the world. This has made me want to be a different person." Yeah. They have gone and signed up. So on the City Futures one in particular, we had loads of students sign up for. Um, different types of positive social activism in the city of Bristol because they were um, introduced to all the injustices that were happening and people being deported mm. when perhaps they should not have been deported and really joining in at these campaigns because they've been inspired because we collaborated with local community partners and with the sustainable development unit we're seeing the same thing students you know going on particular environmental protests or going along to different types of events and really becoming part of the change not just passively sitting back getting taught something but being uh, getting all that information and then being so motivated that they get up and do something about That's it so good yeah mm -hmm. you can ask for any more. It, it's it's <laughs> it, it's the transformative power of interdisciplinary research it's not just what yeah. an interdisciplinary teaching it's not just bringing the disciplines together because you need all of that to tackle these big issues it's the getting different perspectives yeah. and a lot of the educational system here is still very siloed right you know yeah. and off you can stay in your little silent science silo or your little even even smaller your little maths or physics or dental silo and the, what's great about the optional units and also the online course is that um, it people see the different perspectives. Yeah. If I were to sort of see what would be the next generation, keep pushing, it's how do we inject that different perspectives into all the students who are not mm. taking the optional units? Yeah. So I mentioned earlier, I was like, you know, I think that we need to signpost the important role of mining and economic resources in terms of a post-fossil fuel future in the geology curriculum. Actually, I want to go further than that, because if we're going to start talking about that, then we also should start talking about the social justice implications of, say, green colonialism and us maintaining our lifestyle, but basically offshoring mm -hmm. the environmental and social justice costs to other countries. Mm -hmm. So th this is where we want to go. And I, I think our students are desperate for it, mm -hmm. but often we don't quite find room to fit it into the, uh, the curriculum when we're juggling timetables and accreditation and all those other things. Yeah. But it's crucial because the the kind of dialogue around what to do about climate change mm. um, as a social problem, I think, is just emerging in the public sphere. And, and there needs to be um, more nuance to the conversation and more understanding. You know, I do public engagement around climate justice very often. And, and you get people saying, like, well, what should I do? Should I stop using plastic straws <laughs> or should I get an electric vehicle? And, and you're like, I, I love that you care about this, but you need to think through who is making that electric vehicle. Where are the yeah. components coming from? And are we, like Rich said, are we just kind of shoving aside environmental impacts and onto another part of the world while we, you know, get the benefits of cleaner air? 
and um, and a greener economy. So it's issues like that that the public realm kind of needs to to incorporate and I think to be aware of and I think you can start as a university by educating Mm -hmm. your students who go out into the world and kind of add that nuance um, to the conversation which is desperately needed. I remember I went to your Best of Bristol lecture earlier this year and the the first question that was asked I remember was what can I do to, to, to be better and I remember you said well just it was exactly what you said then be more aware of companies and maybe go to companies more than an individual can make less impact than yeah. doing that can that really stuck with me was, yeah oh that's good yeah <laughs> <laughs> i was just so when everyone was talking i was i was thinking it's it's really great all this stuff's going on but i, I can imagine there'll be lecturers out there that'll be sat there thinking well, I, I don't cover any climate-related things in my mm. course. Maybe it's someone who's doing, like, an, I don't know, an algebra math module. Mm. Where would be the best <laughs> place, I don't know, where would be the best place for them to, to go to kind of learn more about how they can embed these ideas? I have, a, <laughs> I have a boatload of resources that are for every single subject, specifically for that subject. So you don't need to look through tons of generalized material. I can give you a single link that will give you resources, say, for maths or for chemistry, yep. or whatever subject it might be. And um, it may not be the biggest in the world because some of them are slightly trickier for me. But I've tried to give indicative resources to start that conversation. It is literally my job to support <laughs> anybody <laughs> who wants to do curriculum development. It is is you know if you want to do something new with a single unit or with a whole program if you're if you're thinking about making some changes you find this stuff slightly interesting i am incredibly enthusiastic (laughs) and um i you know you give me a brief i will go for it and there's a wider team as well within built and within cabot and loads of people who will help anyone who wants to work on this um to do something that suits their discipline their subject the way they want it to be done yeah and and i think as well is that uh you know the community that that is tackling these issues um, in all their dimensions is it, it, you can tell we're incredibly passionate about it and we're willing to put the, the time in. I, I know all of us are are overworked and none of us want extra teaching, but in my experience as Cabot director, any of the hundreds of people in Cabot, uh, more if you count the postdocs and PhD students, would be more than happy to rock up and give a lecture mm-hmm. that that shows mm-hmm. the connections between what you're teaching and these wider issues and. Okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. No, no, no. Yeah. If you ever want to know sort of, you, you can contact Ash or you can, look, if, if you're a lecturer listening to the podcast, you can, I, I'm telling you right now, you can email me and I will try to connect you to That's someone. That's rich.pancos. That's right. It's r.d.pancos. Find me on the Bristol server. And, but there will be people who would be willing to contribute to that dialogue because sometimes the resources are good it helps you connect to it but actually you know i think if you're maybe a mathematician or maybe maybe you're a geologist or a geographer working on a certain topic um and maybe you're not that comfortable talking about the social justice dimensions then maybe it is best to get maybe you know someone from well i mean there's all sorts of groups from even you know some we, we can't just get alex to come give all of the lectures but there's lots of <laughs> other other people in space or, or there's people in, in you know say you know you look at it, globalization issues, there's people in the environmental humanities clusters, the people in the black humanities cluster, all sorts of people who would be willing to sort of inject a little bit of, of, of these wider perspectives yeah. into different curricula. Maybe we need to do musical chairs with our yeah. curriculum yeah. and move I, everyone around, switch yeah. it around. Yeah. I, as a scientist, would be more than happy to come talk to social scientists and, and, okay. and well, and explain you know, explain why climate change is probably not going to cause extinction. Mm-hmm. You know, of humanity, that is. It's going to cause all sorts of 
extinction of other things, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. But yeah, but I'm but I think all of us are happy to bring our expertise to different groups of students. Yeah, and I think schools should be encouraged to support that. Mm-hmm. You know, I think heads of school. I mean, Rich is a head of school, so he knows how complex that job is and and how difficult mm-hmm. it can be and time consuming. But if the university is serious about acting on this climate emergency, you know, one way to support that would be to support schools to get people to come and talk about climate change or to hire people who are climate experts, etc. You know, and yeah. and although we have teaching and climate change across the university, I do I don't think that it's a majority in schools Mm-mm. who are climate experts. You know, Mm-mm. in in fact, in my lecture interview, I said you don't have a climate expert in the school, and even if you don't hire me, I want you to think about why that is because that's shocking. Boom. It works, kids. <laughs> but if it's, it's like, seriously, you know, schools could use some support from the university to enable mm-hmm. them to teach more on this without burdening existing yeah. staff too yeah. much, you know, and, and sharing that load of, of how do we integrate this into the curriculum. And I think what Rich was saying about the way that everyone's quite help, um, helpful and happy to work with everyone else, it extends outside this university. And there's a really big, strong national directive. So the EAUC, the um, Environmental Association of Universities and Colleges, there's tons of people in those mm-hmm. networks and they they have um, a shed share email um, address and we ask each other's questions, we ask for resources, um, everyone's very communicative and open. And it's the principles that you see within this sector are when I've got something that's useful or I'm running a workshop or I've got a webinar, whatever the resource or skill might be, I'm happy to share it. And it's open and free to everyone. And there's a huge network to tap into that. I guess it's a problem that has to be tackled by everyone coming together, isn't it? And so, yeah, starting that way is essential. Yeah. And you don't actually, I, I think what we're talking about is you don't actually need, I mean, the ideal would be is, is that this would be a, a, a real comprehensive part but really, what we, what we really need to achieve is we just need to tease our students with, with this recognition of the, of the wider perspectives and the wider implications of what they're studying and, and how it connects to these wider issues. And then once they realize that, then hopefully that unlocks their own curiosity to go and pursue it more. Okay. And, and also, I think we need to stop putting up barriers to ourselves. Mm. So you mentioned earlier that lots of people say, oh, we can't do something because of accreditation. Actually, mm. if you look at the details of what the accredited bodies are saying... They're pretty easygoing and they actually support a lot of the yeah. sustainability agenda. So that's not really an excuse. If you look at the optional units <laughs> that are you know, designed for first years and some second years as well, we're dealing with really complicated interdisciplinary issues with first years. Yeah. This doesn't yeah. have to be something that you can only do in the third year of a degree. Oh, you know, we have to get all the basics down in first and second <laughs> year. And then in third year, we can do complicated things. You can do complicated things. You can do problem-based learning. Yeah. You can do grand challenges from the get-go. And you can inspire them early on so that the students go through their entire degree process feeling invigorated, inspired, and challenged by their subject matter and see the relevance outside of their degree and within their degree subject. So if I could because we've got less than 10 minutes now, just go back to the the original question. Are we doing enough to tackle the climate crisis in the curriculum? Yes or no? No. (laughs) (laughs) Despite all the great work that that, that lots of people have done, I think we've all kind of been talking about that we're doing great stuff. There are great initiatives, but um, we could be doing more. Okay, what what more could the average person do? Is it about the person or is it about the university as an organization should be doing more? Both. It has to be both. 
you can't just put all the emphasis and expectations on individuals if you've got a brand new um, member of staff an early career researcher i mean what what do you expect them to do if mm. the system doesn't allow them and doesn't encourage them yeah. to make changes and what permission do they have what yeah. per, what messages right. are we sending what messages are heads of school and the senior like team in the university sending mm. about what you're allowed to do or not allowed to do what are you being encouraged to do what are you being supported to do mm. And if those systems aren't in place to support you, then we can't put the expectations exactly. on Exactly. And what's being rewarded in terms of pro promotion and progression mm -hmm. right. through your career? Mm -hmm. So the university has just updated this um, in a way that's actually quite positive because there's more flexibility in what is now important for promotion. It's not so much about research and teaching uh, and admin, but there's also things like, you know, engaging with the public and, and community work okay. and, and impact and things like that. So that opens a little bit of space for people to do mm -hmm. things that are not primarily about, you know, publishing in the top journals and yeah. like winning teaching awards. Um, and that, <laughs> too bad for me. <laughs> um, but it's, I think that's like a nice way that we can start talking about it. Like, how do we support early career researchers and also people later in their careers mm -hmm. um, who do want to progress and, and be promoted and be successful? How do we define success in academia? Mm. Um, and it's a really good time to start talking about this in terms of climate change because the university's just declared a climate change emergency yeah. and we're starting the academic year with school protests you know on September 20th that are being supported by the university the academics are being encouraged to strike which is really interesting yeah um so I think it's a it's a moment where we can open up some space yeah. okay yeah and to and to you know to where could you know, a lecturer start in terms of, of what they're teaching, I, I would say probably the starting point is simply think about your five or your 15 lectures. What is it that you're actually teaching in those? And think about where it intersects on, on climate change, or perhaps to take a broader perspective, where it intersects with wider environmental issues. Mm -hmm. It will, there will be an intersection and, and what might eventually lead to sort of a new program or something really ambitious, which needs this, you know, the support of your head of school and the dean, it might start with you just adding in one of those 15 lectures being the topic that you're meant to teach, but examine through the lens of climate change. So, so there's a whole spectrum of things that can, that can do. But, you know, I, I think, you know, in terms of most of our courses, you start with what you're, you're teaching yeah. and you see where it takes you. Because again, climate change intersects everything. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's about tweaking what you already know. Mm -hmm. It's just uh, refocusing or refocusing an element. And also, what you're saying about the lecturing, it's including in your assessment. So mm -hmm. if you have mm -hmm. a list of five F essay topics, or you've got some exam questions, why not mix up those topics a little bit? Put a challenging question in there mm. around climate change. See mm. what happens. <laughs> <laughs> no one writes that question. <laughs> <laughs> Not in my experience. Well, yeah, I guess. <laughs> and even though I'm the climate expert and I'm grading the, the essays, they still do it. So, because <laughs> it's scary. But uh, but yeah, I found that they find it really exciting. It's precisely because, as Rich says, it's so all-encompassing. Yeah. Mm. And there's so many things you could write about. And I think that draws students in yeah. um, and, it, and it makes it quite not easy to write an essay on it because it's such a huge problem, but it makes it easy to get into it and get passionate about it. Yeah. And, and other otherwise as well we've we've been focusing a lot on the undergraduate and touching the master's level but all of our students we have some post uh, phd students who do talk components are we um embedding sustainability thinking climate mm. change issues within those elements um what are the systems what are the frameworks um the, the soft skills hard skills whatever yeah, yeah. you want to frame it that we're what message are we giving all of our students not just mm. our undergraduate students and so we have to think very broadly about it because also 
a lot of our postgraduate students are also our teaching assistants mm. for undergrad students. Right. Yeah. So what they know, what they feel, and they're coming from different universities, they're coming from different backgrounds. So what message is Bristol giving them? What training do they do? It, it it does depend. So this this will go off topic. So they can do the they can do the starting to teach program. A lot of them are required to do oh, that before course, it, yeah. um, or at the yeah. start they're teaching. Um, but some of them go much further and they do the big create scheme. So they get the a teaching fellowship nationally and internationally recognised. And is it embedded within those courses? Do you know? So um, education for sustainable development is an option within the create scheme for okay. training, and it's something that you can do. Um, independently of completing the bigger accreditation but it's a one three-hour session once a year yeah That's i was it. gonna say i'm doing create right now and none of the core um mm. classes mm-hmm. are touching on sustainability or, or climate change mm. um what and message does that send mm. exactly yeah. Yeah. And it's an optional thing to consider there are op- there are optional units but uh, when you're taking create <laughs> it's often about just trying to yeah. <laughs> get through it and, and put it in your calendar where it fits and things yeah. like that so it, it is hard to select classes that you you know you would be really passionate yeah. about yeah but the flaws in create they simulate the flaws in our own curriculum yeah. right which is that you feel that there's you know, with Create, there's pedagogical mm. skills that you're trying to teach. You're trying to teach uh, all, all of us about different w- different um, techniques, methodologies and such. Mm. And we actually quite often don't pull back and say, well, what is what are the big cross-cutting issues the, mm-hmm. or the concepts in which we embed our teaching? Um, we, it, I think we just often lose the forest for the trees, right? Mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of my colleagues and they think like our, our entire... Our, our entire curriculum is about environmental change, but a lot of the students wouldn't see it that way. Mm-hmm. That's actually a really interesting point. There's been um, surveys of students and they've been asked uh, to reflect on their curriculum. And my colleague Hannah Tudell did this big survey a couple of years ago and the students came back and said in some subjects, no, we don't do any sustainability. Mm. We don't. The academics were adamant. Like, no, <laughs> no, we do teach it. We yeah, do, yeah. we do. But they, it was always this kind of implicit. It wasn't right. explicitly exactly. signposted right. to the students. So the students had been, but they didn't actually know the way to frame it, the right. way to phrase it. And once it was articulated in a slightly different way, again, just tweaking what they were doing just a little bit, mm. then the students were like, oh, now we recognize it mm. as fully articulated sustainability. Mm. It's, as you said earlier, it's just you need to make it a bit more explicit sometimes. Yeah. 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 And well, and sometimes also we, we, we can do a little bit better at, at drawing the connections between our, our dis, you know, the distinct units that we're offering mm-hmm. and such. Because often, you know, one unit is talking about climate change and they think, okay, that unit was my climate change unit. Mm-hmm. But actually, no, that unit is connected to many, many of their other units that they're taking. But those connections are, are again, implicit rather than explicit. Mm-hmm. Program level approach. Program level. Oh, but that's a whole. <laughs> other oh, that's a whole podcast. other thing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, I guess at that point, that is quite a nice place to end. Unless anyone has anything burning they would like to say. No, real. Um, all right. Well, <laughs> thanks so much, everyone. It's, Thank you. It's been really interesting. Thank you for me. having us. Yeah. yeah. Thanks. Um, and I guess thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>